0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of First One of the Day. I'm Sean P. Eventually we're going to have an email that you guys can drop questions, comments, and conversation topics if you'd like. You can always do that. And uh, we'll answer them on the podcast, and as I start this first podcast, I'd like to just say, First One of the Day, God knows I need it. so also with me today is john hunter john it's good to see you we're here thanks for having me thanks for having me welcome to the podcast welcome to
1: my show oh i guess it's your show
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) well we're all well we're very i'm very excited for you to be here uh we uh we always know how to shoot the shit as they say we all we can fill up a lot of time talking pretty quick we go down the rabbit hole many times we have a we have a pretty good rapport <laughs> yeah so uh i'm drinking a mackenzie's pineapple hard cider right now that's my drink of choice for today's podcast what do you got Yeah, a
1: little little soft uh, i'm drinking a great lakes uh edmund fitzgerald porter
0: how do you like that? It? it's
1: pretty good i like i like the darker beers
0: yeah i normally don't do ciders but i really love pineapple and uh i had this in the fridge i uh someone left it here i don't know who is the
1: (laughs) is the rumor like i guess rumor urban legend that like if you eat pineapple like it makes your semen taste like pineapple
0: i don't think it makes it taste like pineapple i think it makes it sweeter I think it just has a general taste, better taste overall, but well, I'm not so sure that it's just a hundred percent pineapple because I think it's like proven that the more healthier and better you eat, the more healthier and better you are, and it's the same thing with body odor, um, and it's kind of just it's obvious. Like if you eat like shit, I think your body odor and probably your cum is gonna taste not too great. I th- I think what you don't want is salty cum. I'm not an expert, but uh and salty foods fast foods stuff like that empty carbs is probably what makes it saltier (laughs) so that's that science science? it's good it very much could be um but that's (laughs) that's my thinking uh I might have heard that from someone i'm not sure but i think it was bill nye (laughs) but yeah so uh I really do like pineapples though, but I also think it's the, the same vice versa for girls. I think their hygiene down in their hoo ha area is uh is better kept if with um, healthier foods and pineapple. I think is one of those things with their juices or something. I don't know, but I'll tell you one we're thing. We're talking about on the podcast this week. <laughs> Actually, well we could, but no, we're gonna be talking about uh the Seattle Sound grunge music in layman's terms but moreover and more in depth we're going to be talking about uh andrew wood and how in my opinion his death is probably the most influential thing some would say who is that so you would (laughs) and i would tell them that andrew wood was the former lead singer of a band called mother love bone and we'll get into why mother love bone and andrew wood uh is important in just a second here but um we'll pull it all back around to pineapple somehow <laughs> but um in in the 90s especially but especially alternative rock music and grunge music well certainly grunge music like there's no question that it's the most influential the thing yeah you only met you, you only missed nine months of the 90s i missed two years
1: that's the name of my next album, 9 months in the 90s.
0: <laughs> uh yes, yeah, so certainly in grunge music the most influential event uh was passing, but in my opinion I'm taking it a step further and say in alternative rock music as a whole and especially as the 90s as a decade. Um so yeah, uh who who is Andrew Wood and what is grunge music? Grunge music uh, is also called the Seattle Sound. Why do you think it's called the Seattle Sound, John? Because um,
1: cause of Seattle?
0: Yeah. It pretty much originated in Seattle. Uh, kind of came about, it was kind of uh, the answer to the glam bands and the hair bands of the 80s. It was kind of just like a, a raw more uncut version. Well, what I always music. liked about
1: it was it was like the next step from like punk rock. I've always been a big punk rock right, guy. Yeah. And there was a lot of punk rock aesthetic to it. It was like just like we don't give a fuck. We're not wearing these fake, blowing our hair out, crazy yeah. like costumes like we're gonna fucking play the instruments and be real dirty.
0: Yeah, you're not wearing <laughs> these these tight uh jeans. They should have they could have at least ate some ate some pineapple or something you know <laughs> yeah at least but yeah it uh, pretty much um came to be exclusively in seattle uh and during that scene uh in the late 80s mid late 80s early 90s uh you just had this um this threshold of really good local bands playing in these clubs it was it was the place to be there's just a there's a number of bands that came out of uh, Seattle at the time, not just in grunge but just of rock as a whole. A lot of '90s bands. But so obviously, you know, with grunge, you have the big four. You have Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana. That's the big four. And one of those bands would not exist at all. Without the death of Andrew Wood. So, Andrew Wood, who is he? Uh, he was uh, a rock singer, lead singer, and the band Mother Love Bone. And also in Mother Love Bone was a guy named Jeff A. Mint and on the bass in Stone Gossard, who played uh, guitar. And uh, in 1990, Andrew Wood, he passed away. Uh, it was March 19th, 1990. And uh, with his death, you had the band, obviously, um, was no more. They did put out an album afterwards, which did decently well, called Apple. But Stone Gossard and Jeff Amen basically didn't have a band anymore. Um, so they kind of would just jam, jam out in, uh, in each other's basements and stuff. And uh, Mike, they met Mike McCready, who uh, also played guitar at a party. And they jammed a lot together. And actually, Matt Cameron from uh, Soundgarden at the time kind of was jamming with them a little bit. So basically what had happened was uh, they don't have a lead singer. They're kind of just rocking out. Um, They did put together a demo, and they had a buddy named Jack Irons. And you know who Jack Irons is, right, John? Uh, Some with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. A lot of a lot of you rock fans recognize uh, he was one of the original uh, drummers for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, and he's just a really well liked guy. So he was uh, he was talking with the uh, former the band members Jeff A. Mint, Stone Gossert, and he was like, you know, I think I I know a kid uh, that might be interested in joining your band so he was like ah but he's in uh san diego so he took the demo and he was like i'll just go drive down and i'll give it to him so stone stone gossard uh jack irons got in his uh then a cool
1: name though stone gossard
0: stone gossard I, uh, yeah stone gossard and jack irons are both pretty yeah. awesome names especially if you're a musician everyone calls him stony but um yeah he drove down from seattle down to san diego met this met up with this kid who uh, they were he, they were pretty much best friends at the time and uh, he wasn't in any bands or anything so he was surf he gets hold of the demo he goes surfing and basically comes up and writes uh like ten songs just listening to this demo so he just like was out there surfing all day so when he got home he wrote them down recorded them and then uh so, Jack Irons took that recording on the top of the demo and took it back to uh, Jeff Ament, Stone Gostert. They listened to it. They liked it. They would like to meet him. So the kid came up to Seattle. His name happened to be Eddie Vedder. And they formed a band. And the band originally was called Mookie Blaylock. (laughs) Smash Mouth. (laughs) It was originally called Mookie Blaylock. Named after a... uh, NBA player that played for the Nets at the time. And why they chose that name, I still don't have any clue. Uh, apparently they just liked the way he played, but I mean I don't even think he's in the Hall of Fame, but whatever. just It was just such a random player. That'd be like the equivalent today of someone naming their band like Jimmy Butler, like the Jimmy Butlers. Like I guess he's he's good, but I don't I don't hate that random. band name. <laughs> Eventually, when uh when they started recording, uh Mookie Blaylock got a hold and got wind of their name and sent him like a season and desist letter, so they changed their name and lo and behold, you know what the name of that band is? Uh, Pearl Jam. It's Pearl Jam. So yeah, Jeff Ament, Stone Gosher, Mike McCready, and Eddie Vedder all in this band called Pearl Jam. And they also added a drummer, Dave on. Uh, Pearl Jam has been through a number of drummers, and we'll get to that in a bit. But, so now you have Pearl Jam, and so you have one band that formed 100% just because of Andrew Wood's death. And, like, that's, like, the real sad thing, because, like, and it, you'll see, like, a it, it's, like, kind of a theme with all these uh, Seattle lead singers is... They die too soon, and mostly of heroin. So that'll get you. yeah, it's real unfortunate. but you know, um from like reading like all the the stories and everything about him, apparently like Andrew Wood like held himself as a rock star like before they even made it. like he would just be walking around Seattle and like all the clubs, everyone do him everyone he was friendly with everyone. and he was kind of just like this larger than life figure. So everyone always was like thinking that like this guy's already a star and he just had that mentality. But fortunately that came to an end, but um yeah, Pearl Jam come out of it. So uh out of Pearl Jam, uh, you have so I'm just I just wanna name like all of these bands just to get like give everyone a picture of what was going on at in this Medium sized city in the mid to late 80s. So, out of Seattle, you had Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Mud Honey, Screaming Trees, Candle Box, uh, Mother Love Bone, and you also had Presidents of the United States, and then you had a couple super groups in there Temple of the Dog, Mad Season. There's a lot of bands just for one medium sized city that came out of there, and You know, as we all know, like, they all kind of came out and got big relatively at the same time, which is just nuts. But, um, so you had all those bands playing in this city, and you gotta think, like, imagine that, imagine that, that, like, club scene. Imagine, like, on a Friday night, just, like, going with your friends down to one of those clubs and one of those bands playing at the local bar. Can you imagine that? That'd be nuts. That would just be, that would be something Dude, else. I can't
1: even remember what it's like going to bars anymore. They were all quarantined. Bars aren't even real.
0: They Yeah. They did it as if they never exist. But, you know, so. I mean, that's, what if there's like a, what if there's like a Nirvana out there today that isn't playing at their bars? at their local well, bar. I
1: don't want to, I don't want to be depressing, but the way that the music industry works right now, we'd never hear them
0: true speaking of the music industry so that's actually um grunge got its name from uh the founder of uh the sub pop label uh bruce pavitt and he kind of coined the term grunge on um, uh, and it was like around 1987 um he said like in an interview or something they were trying to they asked him like what is this like kind of sound and he just basically said it's like a real dirty gritty it's like a grunge sound of rock and uh, I know also uh, one of the producers for Sub Pop, Jack and, and Danino actually he was at, had a major key in the into the Sub Pop and the we, I knew he was a producer of Nirvana, wasn't he? Yeah. So he produced Nirvana and, and uh, he was part of that that so he th- those two guys pretty much coined the term grunge is what we know it today you can tell, it's like the way they dress too. It's just like a real, like like you said before, like they don't have to like dress up. They don't got to put on makeup. You don't got to wear tight clothes. They well, wear that's what I appreciate jeans. the
1: most about them is like almost like the authenticity of it. It's like they were music first.
0: Always, yeah. Music and Whereas emotion. like the hair
1: metal bands and stuff, they're all about like the way they looked.
0: Yeah. And that this was pretty much their direct answer, and it was kind of like a fuck you to them, just like we're gonna do it our that's, way. That's where
1: like the punk rock like aspect
0: of it comes in, and that's kind of like where you were taught what you were just talking about. How you probably wouldn't hear if there was a band like Nirvana, you wouldn't hear it because nowadays, if you don't play ball with what the record label, and yeah, the, the amount and so on, of control
1: they have over the industry. Dude, yeah. we're, we'll do a whole episode one time about how fucked up uh, like the Spotify deals and shit are.
0: Yeah. Oh, we'll probably talk about them almost every episode, but yeah, we'll 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 dedicate the big one to it because it is kind of messed up. And like I think like that's what people should know. Like it's like Joe Rogan says it all the time. Like it's better to like struggle for a little Dude, bit. Dude, did
1: you just watch that new one like three days ago with Mike Tyson?
0: Yeah, I Dude, love Mike
1: that. Tyson is gonna kill Roy Jones Jr.
0: <laughs> he absolutely is. And like like
1: it might even just be like an expedition, but it's gonna end up like. Like uh, Rocky 4, where right. he, um, where he just
0: kills him. Like if he dies, if he dies, if he dies. I just like I'm like Roy Jones Jr. is a good fighter, and I, I don't know. How, I mean, how well Mike can take a hit now is, but it's still better than the average person. So I, I just don't see him. And he's such a smart fighter. I don't see him opening himself up. And like missing with a big swing, and then well, getting countered the hard. The
1: thing like... is, like, so if you watched it, like, him talking about how he um didn't want to start training again.
0: Oh yeah, because he has got that ego. He, he's got a, yeah. he's, a, he's a killer in there. And you just oh, yeah. heard him like talking. Yeah. Yeah, he wanna He didn't even want to. He couldn't even work out for so long because when he gets in the gym, it like comes out, and he knows like where it would take him. And ex- that's actually and exactly what did happen. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like like Joe Rogan says all the time, like it's better to own all your stuff, whether it be like a podcast or music or anything, and like just don't sell the rights away. Don't sell your soul. Like it's better if if you have something good and you keep keep to it, you're gonna make more money than. Uh, that if you just sign it away you'll get more money initially but then you'll get screwed up the ass with the fees and expenses and then someone else is going to be in your pockets taking it from you and you might not even know it but uh so yeah it was a good point but um so like that the sub pop uh label back end, it really had a lot to do with how these bands turned out and how um they kind of got like the exposure they needed and I know Bruce Pavitt. He was a radio DJ. So you had all these bands coming out, and uh, Pearl Jam being made with Andrew Wood. So, and this is like where we're gonna like. I Andrew Wood is important because after his death, he was just so well liked by pretty much all these members that um, half of Pearl Jam, Mike McCready, Stone Gossard, Jeff Avent, uh, they formed a band. Kind of a super group or super band with uh, some of the Soundgarden members. Uh, I was Matt Cameron, and obviously the lead singer Chris Cornell. And Chris Cornell and Andrew Wood were actually roommates at one point, so they formed a tribute band called Temple of the Dog, and uh, they had one album put out, um, and a bunch of singles. They had the singles on that out. Al- the the Album, uh, it was just called Temple of the Dog, and they had three songs on it. it was like two and a half, but the three songs we'll say about it, about Andrew Wood, was Reach Down, Say Hello to Heaven, and. Then, I don't mind. You can throw Hunger Steely. Strike in there. He <laughs> could throw Hunger Strike in there, but um, so yeah, these three so Reach Down, Reach Down, um didn't do too well single-wise, but Say Hello to Heaven, um, I think that peaked uh, at number five on the rock song charts, and that whole album as a whole peaked at number five as well on the rock album charts, Uh, and um, Hunger Strike being, like, the most famous one. I don't know how high that got, but it was pretty good. (laughs) So, I had those songs, and then Lane Staley was a really good friends with Andrew Wood. So Lane Staley from Alice in Chains. So and Chains made a song called Wood. Spelt W O U L D. You know. It's pretty pretty good play on words there. And that peaked at uh that was that's actually an interesting song song, John, because it peaked at thirty number thirty one on the charts, uh, when they released it. And the unplugged version was at nineteen. But it got re released out, like in circulation, or it was playing, got a lot of uh, radio play uh, in 2019, and it was number 15 on the charts in 2019. So, I think they were playing a lot of like uh, grunge throwbacks, probably at the time. But, um, yeah, I,
1: all the unplugged ones, like just something about the sound, it was just so good. Like, those mus- musicians were so talented.
0: Oh, absolutely. And like all yeah, across the board, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all of their unplugged their songs are almost better than the original some of them are. Yeah. But yeah. Uh so yeah that yeah that song, yeah that. And um War Babies put out a song called Blue Tomorrow. Uh, that was another a song that was attributed to Andrew Wood. And then, of course, uh, another really famous one about Andrew Wood was called uh, Far Behind by Candlebox. And I love Candlebox. Candlebox is one of my favorite bands. So that's peaked at uh, uh, number 18. And uh, like overall like on the top 100. And it was number 4 on the rock charts. And the album was at number 7. that's off of their debut album. It was just self-titled called Candlebox. So, I mean, so you had all these albums and these songs especially that are about Andrew Wood. He was a really liked guy. So, I mean, when you think about it, Reach Down, Say Hello to Heaven, Wood, uh, and Far Behind, those are, like, really good songs by themselves, and they all have to do with Andrew Wood. And... You even had you had a whole band, Temple of the Dog, be formed in his memory. In memory of him, yeah. And then you had Pearl Jam be formed because of him, because of his death. You know, it wouldn't have ever happened.
1: Yeah, needless to say, like, his mark on, like, the landscape of music was definitely major. Like, he definitely had a huge effect. Um... I guess more so in his death than when he was alive, but
0: yeah. And they did. They have. Uh, they put. They had uh, Crown of Thorns, and um, Chloe Dancer was there's one one of their uh, hits on their out Mother Love Bone's album Apple that has been covered many times. Connie Dancer. No, <laughs> Chloe Dancer. Covered by, covered <laughs> by Alan John. <laughs> Close. I know Chris Cornell in Soundgarden, and uh, I know Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder has covered that song numerous times. Actually, um, my favorite version is uh, September 11, 2011 in Toronto, Pearl Jam at a live concert played Crown of Thorns and Chloe Dancer, and it's one of my favorite live performance songs ever. So, if any listeners out there know about it, or if they don't, now you do. Go listen to that on YouTube. It kind of just, like, boggles my mind how one person can have such an impact. And, like, those those are, these are, like, bands in, that are renowned now. And they all were there, and they were friends with him, and they knew him. So, it kind of makes you wonder, like, okay, what if he stayed alive? What if... What if Mother Lovebone Love Bone became, you know, what Pearl Jam or even Nirvana or Soundgarden or Alice in Chains became? That's kind of crazy. Like, I don't know much about him, obviously, because he never really got to step in the limelight on a national scale. But it does make you think. He's like the extraterrestrial of the 90s. That's <laughs> E.T. <a> t- t- <laughs> um... Yeah, so it's interesting, um, and just like that time period in Seattle, they had. There's actually a whole movie. Actually, I, uh, I don't know if you ever have you seen the movie. It's called Singles. Have I haven't seen, seen it, but I'm
1: familiar with like some of the songs there on the like
0: soundtrack.
1: Right. Yeah. So. Um. Who directed that? There was someone that that like was, went on to. It was
0: uh Cameron Crowe. Yeah. Yeah. He uh. He did Almost Famous, which is pretty much um kind of like an autobiographical... Autobiography, yeah, like a autobiography.
1: semi-autobiography
0: yeah. of his own life. Yeah, it, it was also... Uh, oh, how's about it back it. together
1: with Tiny Dancer? They sing that <laughs> on the bus. <laughs>
0: they do. That's a great scene. But I he, told you,
1: we're going to bring this all back together.
0: Everything is connected in this universe. But he also directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High and, uh, and Jerry Maguire. Holy. Pretty famous movies. But Singles is a... Uh, it's, it's a movie that literally is about life in seattle in the early 90s it was uh, it came out in 1992 and you have chris cornell in it everyone in pearl jams in it um you have lane staley and uh, allison chains in it and they're on the soundtrack as well um pearl jam wrote uh i believe they wrote two songs for it i know breath was one of the songs that was written for it uh pearl jam played a band in in the movie one of the bands that local bands that play there um if i'm not mistaken i think chris cornell played himself <laughs> which i don't know why pearl jam couldn't just play themselves. i don't think gonna have movie, chris to play cornell yeah but if you're gonna have pearl i don't know jam, how to be anybody else <laughs> if you kind of have if you're gonna play pearl have pearl jam play like a made-up band uh but chris cornell play himself that's kind of weird but you know, it might Maybe been, they wanted like, to. Yeah, I mean, Pearl, they, they don't really like being, they didn't like the limelight, so I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, I know Pearl Jam made Breath for that movie, which is one of my favorite songs, actually. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's State of Love and Trust. I'm not a 100% sure on that. I'll fact check myself, and in a random episode, I'll say it. I'll say if I was wrong, but it'll be like real quiet so no one can hear me. <laughs> so you got to you got to tune in. <laughs> yeah, you got to find the easter egg, but I think I'm pretty sure say 11 truffs was also written for it. But yeah, it was a good soundtrack. Um but yeah, that movie it, it's and it's basically about uh them living in Seattle, going to work, working in coffee shops, restaurants, sec- being security guard, what have you, and then just uh, hanging out with your friends, drinking, playing in bands, listening to the local bands play and just living life in uh in single apartments which is where it gets the title of the movie is singles it's for single they're all like in single apartments so yeah it's not a bad movie guys anyone out there wants to go check it out or if you have seen it already you know what i'm talking about so uh with all that being said i kind of want to open up some discussion with you john about some of these bands. I know that you're like me, a huge grunge guy, plays a big part in your life in your adolescence. Fucking,
1: oh, I fucking love the nineties. Growing up it was always on. Like my parents were younger, so like that was like their music. And so it was always, always on.
0: Right. That's it, yeah. I uh I'm the youngest. I have three older sisters. So my music taste was always uh Kind of at their discretion. Like when I was, since I was the youngest, it's always what they wanted to listen to first, which was mainly the ba- Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls, Ninety Eight Degrees, and all them boy bands, which I actually don't uh, mind. Oh, so
1: that that's why you turned out the way you did. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. But um, that makes that's why you know every Disney song ever.
0: But yeah, but place you know they all had their different tastes, and obviously they listened to rock music, they listened to Blink One Eighty Two, and the Stone Temple Pilots and stuff. So that was always on the radio. So. Uh, pretty much everyone had their CD players and whatnot in their rooms, just all listening to their own thing. And so I got like a huge uh, mixture melting pot of different tastes and stuff. so and that's kind of just like where it sprouted from there, and then I really really started getting digging in the grunge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just got your shovel out to dig, yeah,
0: but yeah, by far, it's easily my favorite genre of music. And it's not even close. It's a little close. I love classic rock and some old school rap and hip hop. You know what's interesting? Um,
1: what? What's interesting?
0: So, look at, like, there's no really, like, def, like, clear-cut definition of grunge, like what band is grunge, what's just alternative. Yeah, rock. well, if you there's look into of, it,
1: it was kind of like their marketing they didn't have like all you got a whole genre now stemming from that alternative rock but they didn't really have that at that point in time
0: right so in in uh in addition to all those seattle bands that i that i named earlier um with the exception pretty much of presence of the united states all those were grunge bands um but um elsewhere you had jane's addiction silver chair uh, Bush, Stone Temple Pilots and Hole. Uh all of those all of them. Courtney Love. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain linking up, singing the same type of music. I also do love James. I think audition. it
1: more has to do with doing the same type of drugs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I never watched like uh let um like what is it? Like LA Inc. or something like that, but uh Dave Navarro is like the main guy. Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction is like the main yeah. tattoo. He was in the
1: Chili Peppers for a minute.
0: Yeah. He was on not their best album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so was, actually, their worst album. Yeah. See, when you say one worst, hot, though, it, it implies that it was minute, bad. And it one wasn't.
1: Hot Minute is like there's, a, there's like one or two good songs on there, but the album is bad. I liked it. He, he just wasn't a fit for the band. He's a good guitarist.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Chili Peppers, you know how Jack Irons was uh, one of the drummers. He was uh, actually the drummer uh, for Pearl Jam from '95 to '98, and he was on the uh, No Code and Yield. And uh, he basically quit in '98 because he just didn't want to tour anymore.
1: <laughs> but see, that's something, so. Let's talk about that for a second. So that's something like you and me. We'd love to be in a band touring in the United States of America, even if it was like a major band. Like we think it'd be awesome. But like the amount that they tour and it's nonstop and they don't get to see their family and like it wears on you. Like that's like one of those grass is greener on the other side type things. You know, yeah, everyone thinks it's like the dream, but like they don't understand like it actually is tough.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And especially like um, I'm not saying that like his ta- his like style was totally different, but I mean you do have different music tastes. I mean, being in a band is is you know difficult at times you got however many four or five members sometimes all kind of thinking the band should go in a different direction try new sound try new this try new that and I actually just saw an interview uh the other day just a little clip of Kurt Cobain talking about um it was actually just only a couple months before his death saying that he's pretty much the band's done making like grunge music because he just said like they're they're, done you know it's He was like, it's just three chord music.
1: Yeah, I definitely could see him more moving towards like, because his big influence on him was like Neil Young, like that style of like folksy like rock, Mm -hmm. which I think with his voice would have been awesome.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Neil Young because he is known as the godfather of grunge music. Uh, I know Eddie. Cortez the Killer. I know Eddie Vedder and Neil Young are real close. In fact, dude,
1: uh, Pro Jam does a pretty good cover of uh, "Rockin' in the Free World."
0: I've been to four live concerts where they played that and it they turned the lights on on the stadium and the st- I saw them at Wrigley Field a bunch of times. They turned the lights on and every, it's just literally we're all rocking in a freeway. It's it's it is literally sublime. It's like Nirvana being there. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Lots of puns intended. But um yeah, so like he he was just saying that, you know, he was pretty Kurt was they're kind of just done playing um grunge music at that time and that you know it does kind of suck that you didn't get to see all what else they were gonna put out because it probably would have been really good stuff um back to neil young though real quick uh eddie and neil are like super close that when neil young was getting inducted to the rock and roll hall of fame eddie vetter was the one that inducted him and then when Pearl Jam in, was it 2017, 2017, 2018 2017, uh, got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Neil Young was supposed to induct them, but he had a family emergency and it ended up being David Letterman. So that's kind of interesting. I was also at that induction ceremony, which... I, nah, up nah, in Cleveland? No, nah, it, was, it was in Brooklyn. It was at uh, the Barclays Center. But, uh, oh, they didn't
1: actually do it at the Rock and Roll Hall of so.
0: Fame. I don't think they ever do because they—it's like an actual concert because they have like a thousand people that are just musicians and their family and everything. It's basically like like kind of like the Oscars or whatever, how they all have like a table and yeah. everything, and they're like eating and drinking and shit. It's it's like that, like it, it's huge. Like the whole the whole floor section is just all tables and musical guests and their friends and family and stuff like that. But um when Pearl Dream got inducted, uh they're getting inducted with Journey, Yes, ELO, Joan Baez. <laughs> My one uncle loves the Yes. They're actually there's su- I just saw a list on Twitter. It was uh um I think it was nineteen seventy six. It was most top forty most requested songs on a radio station for Labor Day weekend nineteen seventy six. And there was three or four yes songs in the type top forty, and none of them were roundabout. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just got to see all them get inducted. and it, it was it was really amazing. I didn't know I didn't I had no clue what to expect, like how it was gonna be, like, you know, is it like the Oscars? They told some pretty funny stories when they were up there, like, pretty much everyone from the band talked and it was good to see steve perry from journey you know kind of be with his old bandmates. they kind of got estranged
1: it happens steve perry
0: yeah jack irons he was in the he was he was became the drummer of pro jam and when actually when he left in 98 you know who replaced him in the band was? who, is who now,
1: replaced them in the band
0: he is now it's still their current drummer and former drummer of Soundgarden and Temple of the Dog, Matt Cameron. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. But yeah, they, uh, so they're like, what? it's like such a revolving door of, like, how, like the closeness they of these bands. They all play bands. in, like, same band. Like, because even the band Mad Season is, um, a mixture of, uh, Alice in Chains and and Mike McCready's in it. So it's like a mixture between Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains. Which is rare. like, when you think about it, it's like, you would think that with all these bands competing basically for, you know, to get big or for a record deal or anything like that, or even just, like, time on stage or time in the studio in this one city that they would like hate each other but even when they were just putting out demos they helped each other out they helped with the recordings and stuff like that um i know a couple stories where one guy like wasn't at the recording studio in time or something uh what someone from the other band would just come in and just like play some some of the chords and some you know some of the music just like in place of them till you know they arrived which is just kind of like Bizarro. And I know Lane Staley lived for a while at one of the recording studios. Like, literally lived there, because he didn't have anywhere else to stay. He got paid, like, five dollars a day. Pretty wild. But yeah, so, um, with the, uh, with all these, like, different grunge bands, let's get into, uh, let's get into a top five list. So let's, let's get into the top your top five uh grunge bands grunge bands not what you think is the best but pick your favorite
1: personal like a personal okay yeah
0: cuz we don't want to get into heated debate cuz i know uh some of the listeners get real heated about it
1: get real jazzed
0: but um just real quick i'll just rattle off the bands that are basically listed as you know the core grunge which be Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Mudhoney, Screaming Trees, Soundgarden, Candlebox. We're not going to include the Super Band's Temple of Dogmat season, but President of the United States, Mother Love Bone, Hole Stone Temple Pilots, Bush, Silverchair, and Jane's Addiction. You know I got a song?
1: sheet of paper where I wrote a bunch of these down. Oh yeah, I got them. I got my list.
0: I got a list. Here's the order of my list that it's in.
1: That's what I was actually thinking when I said that. <laughs> Reggie, Tupac,
0: it goes Biggie, Reggie, Andre from Outcast. Reggie, Jay-Z, Tupac, and Biggie. Andre from Outcast, Jada, Corrupt, Nas, and then me. You know what's interesting about Silverchair? You know the song Tomorrow? Huge, one of the yeah. best songs in the 90s. Those dudes were like 13 when they wrote it. They get, and they're from Pretty Australia.
1: Well, I was gonna say... What's in the water down there? Well, giant ass fucking sharks. I know that.
0: Everything in Australia is made kill you. to kill you. Everything. Yeah. The spiders, the insects, uh, the fish, the coral, the plants, everything. The sun, the sand, the scorpions, the damn kangaroos, the dingoes eating the babies.
1: Dude, you ever seen, like, everyone always shows these, like, kangaroos. Oh, like, they're this cool animal with, they got their little... Babies in a pouch. Have you ever seen a male kangaroo?
0: They're fucking big.
1: Jacked. They're absolutely jacked.
0: And they got long ass tails. Like, that's the crazy part. They got long tails and they just drag them around all day. I wonder if they do any tail whips. And they kick like motherfuckers.
1: Well, they use, I know they use their tail to balance for the kicks.
0: I would too. Yeah, let's get in this list. Do you want to go? Uh... I'll
1: go first. So we doing top five?
0: Yeah, top five. Give me go five. Right. Five through one.
1: Five through one. Okay. Uh, you don't want me to stop at two. <laughs> All right. So my number five coming in at number five on the list here. I have Allison Chains. Um. So, they're definitely super unique sound had some absolute hits in the 90s, but, like, there's a lot about it that they sound, like, similar. So, like, I can only listen, you have to be in, like, a real certain mood to listen to, uh, Alice in Chains, and it's not usually, like, a good mood, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's grudging. Um, yeah. Uh, so, number four, I got Soundgarden. Um. Okay. Love, love, uh, Chris Cornell's voice, but uh, I'm not a big fan of a lot of their songs. You know, like
0: yeah, I like some of the kind of like when Cor- kinda... Chris
1: Cornell's like by himself, as well as uh, I liked Audio Slave
0: right. when he teamed
1: up with like Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. but like I think he is an absolute like of all these songs on the list. All the sing the everything that they got in common is their singers are phenomenal
0: yeah they i mean it's 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 certainly like the you know the lead singer is like the quarterback of the band but you know you, oh, there's hundreds of other bands where the main guy is either the drummer or lead guitarist and w- with grunge music it, it's like almost unanimously made your whole sound is almost unanimously the sound of your lead singer because it's and that's like the thing with grunge. It's just so much emotion. It's raw yeah. emotion, and they all sing with it. And yeah,
1: they all just were like, and that has to that has to be tough touring too, because night I, in and yeah. night out, you're just like putting that out there.
0: And and not even just the touring, just the writing of it and the recording of it. And I honestly, it's it's no secret that that definitely plays a part in why most of these guys then live very long.
1: Yeah, they and have to have some way thing. to deal with with that
0: it's an yeah it's a very emotional thing to uh to perform these songs and i know a lot of them there's pretty much all of them never wanted to be famous and didn't want their songs being overly played or overly sung because that's not the intent of it i know uh eddie vetter he one time and i was like 92 after the 10 album came out uh, he was on the on the beach in uh you know the pacific northwest beaches, how like They're not like sand. There's rocks. Yeah, they're not like they're not sandy beaches that you know you're laying in the sun. It's kind of like gloomy out, and there's like high grass everywhere, and and apparently Eddie Vedder was just like creeping in the high grass, just like in the Hunger Strike video, and Mm -hmm. he heard a group of kids were just like chilling out, chilling around, drinking I guess, and they were singing Black. He literally walked up to them and asked them, or pretty much told them said, don't sing that song ever. Don't yeah. sing it out in public. Don't sing it as like a, a ballad or anything. He, yeah, he didn't it's an like
1: emotional it. song.
0: Yeah. That's
1: but, like um, probably my favorite Pro Jam song. I mean, I'm you know I love Corduroy, but like that song, like there's been some, uh, like that puts me in a real specific spot.
0: Oh, same. All the time. That's why I have it tattooed on me. <laughs> But um, yeah, all right. So number 4 you had uh, Soundgarden.
1: So number 3 I had Stone Temple Pilot. Mhm. Scott Whalen. I just it was a tight one between Soundgarden and Stone Temple Pilot, but it just came down to I like yeah. I like some Stone Temple Pilot
0: songs more. He almost he almost got there, Scotty. He almost made it to the living part, but again, he died early.
1: Scott Whalen. Yep.
0: He got pretty far though.
1: Yeah, it's not too long ago. No. Yeah. Alright, so, moving on here in this one, these are too tough, but these are the, the big two titans of the 90s. The titans. Um, I went number two, Pearl Jam. Um, I mean, you've, you've said so much about it, it's like all-time legendary band. Uh, Eddie yeah. Vedder, Knock on Wood, only lead singer that's still alive of any of Knock
0: on Andrew Wood. Oh, oh he's dead. boy.
1: Um... Yeah, then my number one's Nirvana. Like Nirvana's one of my all-time favorite bands.
0: I, like, a lot of people. Growing up agree as a with kid,
1: <laughs> and um, when I was like learning to play guitar, like some of the first songs I learned, and some of the only th- songs I still know are <laughs> Nirvana songs.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Nirvana certainly is uh, the most famous band in pretty much all of the 90s um and a lot of it has to do with you know kurt cobain being one of the most head fake. kurt cobain does, he literally is grunge music his personality uh his aura everything about him is grunge and it is 90s and it is that time period and everyone uh kind of reflects on that and i think that's why they pretty much they they hit it off. They were, were they they weren't their first they were their first ones to get successful. I don't think out of maybe out of the but major success fours
1: there. success on that level though. Yeah, because screaming like, trees think, of it came time.
0: out a little bit for them and they had success. But yeah, they well and they were, were also
1: real. real screaming trees were a big influence on Nirvana. They had like they were around the scene and it was just they an explosion like yeah. that. Like that's what really opened the doors
0: that, for some that, of these that, other bands. Yeah, and yeah. Nirvana certainly gets. Um, when you think grunge music, when you think nineties, everyone thinks Nirvana. Everybody, everybody on planet Earth has a Nirvana T-shirt. Everybody.
1: I do. I got mine from J.C. just like Kurt Cobain would have
0: wanted. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good list, though. Um, Stone Temple Pilots in the top five. That's and and uh, Allison Chains being number five. It's the, that's uh, some may agree, some like it, but that's a good list. That's a unique list. I like it. I
1: don't know if I would say unique list, like I feel like that's, in some well, here's ways... the thing.
0: Like we said, the the big four, like it's a, a top five would is difficult. Top seven or ten would be more appropriate. Yeah, you? I know
1: some people are gonna have issues with uh, what's it called um, Stone Temple Pilots up there because back then they were seen a lot as not like posers, but like pretty much they were just aping off the back of the other. Right. Um, yeah. The others that came before, just like trying to copy that sound Yeah, and um, like retrospectively looking back on it, like they they pretty much carved their own way out there. Oh yeah. And it just really came down to, I just like singer wise. I, I like s- some of uh, Scott Whalen's like other stuff too. Like, when he was in Velvet Revolver with Slash.
0: Yeah. I think... I don't... I'm not positive. I wish I could, like, research this, but... Chris Cornell did so much on his own and so much with other bands and so many collaborations. It seems like he Mm -hmm. always was on, like, a radio station or house. Honestly, I think out of
1: all their voices, I like Chris Cornell's the best.
0: I think I do, too. I think he probably is, like, you can't even say the te- best technical singer because he's not a technical singer, really. Um, but he is a very good singer. I can't even Dude, like you don't rock know and roll is, is not about being is. technical. Oh no, especially grunge It's literally about the emotion, literally all about it. Yeah, the feeling in it. But yeah, I I think Chris Cornell just did so much. Like he wrote and sang so many songs and covered so he has like a whole album that is just all covers. but um yeah so not a bad list uh i'm gonna jump into my my list uh before we run out of time here let me just uh start off with number five it's gotta be really controversial with some and you but number five i (laughs) i have uh nirvana (laughs)
1: <laughs> As, it's because because you're a trash human being.
0: Number five is one of my <laughs> personal favorite. Like I, I recognize that they're easily one and two, one or two best grunge band. But uh, personally, it's all but it's personal. Personally, uh, th- for the reason that I kind of said that they are like the grunge band. Like when everyone thinks about grunge music or says it or utters those syllables in succession. First thing that people say, think of, hear, and smell is Nirvana, and that bothers the heck out of me because there's a lot of Nirvana. What does Nirvana smell like? (laughs) Teen Spirit. (laughs) (laughs) And that wasn't. And that is my stone cold lock of the decade. Nirvana smells like Teen Spirit.
2: Stone cold lock of the decade. Stone cold lock.
0: (laughs) Uh, that was almost like too easy. That's
1: good. I liked
0: it. You ever see, like, you know, Bubba Ray deadly smacks Devon on the chest, tells him to get the table. He sets it up. Wrestler turns around off the ropes, and then you got Bubba Ray just picking him up and Devon 3Ding him through the table. That's like what that was. That was a hell of a tag team for the belts. In front of sixty thousand screaming fans in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that's not see, for that reason. Like Nirvana, I I put at five because it's it, it bothers me because there's a lot of other great bands that you know mention other ones, and I do feel like since they only lasted four or five years, they. Uh, yeah, it's just kinda like a short timetable when you when you add the rest of them. Uh but like I said earlier, it would have been really interesting to see what they would have done post nineteen ninety four. But so that's number five of my personal favorite to be Nirvana. Pretty low on the list, but whatever. What are you gonna do about it? Uh number four, uh Soundgarden. I have number four as well, because even though I love Chris Cornell, uh Love his voice. I love pretty much everything he does. Anytime he goes into a band, Temple of the Dog, Audio Slave, uh, he's, he's on Howard Stern. He's on a lot of interviews, and he has a great. Yeah, i say
1: okay, not anymore.
0: Yeah, he has a great. He had a great, unique voice, and uh, he he has one of those voices that when he starts singing, it kind of strikes you. It's like a lightning bolt right through the heart. So. But... a
1: bowl to line and curse the day he let it go. That's, that's how good. I love. That's how like all nineties. That's that's what I think of when I think of grunge. Just dudes singing like, like they're having some serious issues.
0: <laughs> they are. <laughs> but um, yeah. So that they they're at number four again. They didn't really last too long either. They only lasted about seven years. Um. And they have a couple albums that, I, and a couple songs that I'm just like, what is going on in
1: this thing? So, are You talking about Soundgarden? Yeah. Yeah, it's something that never sat right well with me. Like great song, Black Hole Sun. I think it got overplayed. But what was the what was the decision to?
0: Um... Oh, I know what you don't like. The end of the song. Yeah, Black all ah. <laughs> song Like, come on, that like... Yeah, I know, you don't know. like, you just kind of like, just Like, you didn't have
1: to... Uh, whoever was in, in charge of, like, mixing that or made, the, the like, the producer, like, production des- decision to, like, he was showing just off throw his in range. a couple
0: more. Showing off his range, you know?
1: Ah, uh, I think the song's better off without it. Yeah, hey, but, but what do I know? Yeah, their I'm first just two albums, guy.
0: though, like, Louder Than Love and Screaming Life, it just... I... They're not. They're not terrible. They're just like, if you had a, a well, goal to about, listen to a whole was, album, that, then it's just that like, was
1: stopping on. me from holding them back because they have good songs and he is. Yeah. Like I said, the I think the best singer, um, like of those group of bands, but and one of the best
0: drummers besides. Overall,
1: band. like the songs, I just wasn't a big fan of a lot of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love Mac Cameron. I love the way he drums, but like, like I said, like if you when you listen to like. Especially like louder than eleven, screaming life up. Like listening to that cover to cover, it's kind of like, come on, like <laughs> let's let's get on with it. But um, yeah, just for that reason though. Um, later though, bad motor finger I did like so, A little redemption. Great album name too. Absolutely. Uh, number three, which is the sleeper and the the. The shocking one is Candlebox. Absolutely love Candlebox. Their whole first album is awesome. Far Behind got me through a lot of times. Jaded <laughs> uh, some
1: dark places.
0: Did um, Arrow, you all those songs on that album are great, and they and they they play really well live. I've never seen them live, but uh, basically all I do with life in my fair spree. Dude, you didn't see time, them.
1: Like this was like four or five years ago that came through at Jurgles.
0: No, nah, I didn't. Um, I don't even think I was here. I think I might have been. In, yeah, I was in New Jersey five years. I'm pretty. Ago. Sure,
1: I'm pretty sure it was them. But I'm like uh, almost super sure. They
0: they, they cover um, Nirvana, a lot of Pearl Jam um, songs, and Mother Love Band songs live. Uh, I know on YouTube they have like a Lollapalooza uh, concert. That's all I do is listen to concerts on YouTube and watch them. That's that's one of my hobbies.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, one um, of your favorite
1: pastimes.
0: Yeah, and I I love just screaming Candlebox like songs in the car. So yeah, number three I have Candlebox. Uh, number two, Allison Chains, Lane Staley, R.I.P. Love you, buddy. Uh, but yeah, I I love Allison Chains. Love their music. Lane Staley is another guy when his when he starts singing I start listening, intently. Um, they do kind of start to sound the same. They have a lot of the same riffs in the beginning of their songs, a lot of the same guitar licks. But what you can you do about it? I still like them. Um, actually, did you ever hear the story of uh of the first time that they played Rooster, live? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you were telling me about this a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah, so, um, for those who don't know, uh, I guess Lane Staley didn't really have, like, the greatest relationship with his dad. Uh, he, he <laughs> uh, would have thought? He has a great relationship with his mom, um, and his sisters, or sister. Had. Had. Well, it depends what you believe in. Um. <laughs> But yeah, spaghetti guess, monster. But his dad was uh in the he was either in the army rangers or marines or maybe just some the type army, of military. Some type of military, and uh, obviously he was in Vietnam. And as people that get back from war do, don't really talk about it all that much. Um, and that's what pretty much Rooster is about. It's about um, these special gunners that uh that just mowed people down there in the. In the Vietnam wilderness. But uh, so he was at a show. And uh, he was just like in the back leaning. Just like against the post. And as soon as like the song starts kicking in. Starts playing like kind of immediately like kind of caught his attention. And then the first line. uh, When Lane just. I don't even know. You can't even say belts it out. He kind of just like groans it out. You know? Ain't found no way to kill me, yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, when he heard that, like, instantly, like, his dad, like, started tearing up. Like, he was wearing a hat. He took his hat off and, like, put it over his heart, basically. And, like, the whole performance was, like, super emotional for both of them. And they kind of, like, felt that connection, like, up on stage, Lane, even though he was in the moment, kind of, like, felt, like, on stage that they were basically having a moment telepathically pretty cool so um and then the after like the set was done backstage they embraced each other and had this like big father-son hug moment uh that was the first time he ever performed it live and someone like lane he uh he you know i wouldn't say that his father like disapproved of his music but probably wasn't his uh first career choice that he would want his son to have, so he always probably had that like kind of struggle in the household type thing, you know. Plus I don't think they I don't know, I'm not positive, so I probably won't say anymore, but I don't think his dad lived with him, so I'm not I'm not sure on that though. Uh yeah, so number two, Alice and Chains is a great band Dirt, um, Facelift. There's two really great albums. Number one, obviously. It's the, of the moment everyone's been waiting for. It's pretty obvious. Uh, it's Pearl Jam. I think they're fucking one of the greatest bands of all time. Uh, top to bottom, 10 is my favorite album. Again, probably one of the ten, top...
1: 10 is an, is an all-time album, for sure. It is. Every I... song on that o- album's fire.
0: I'm trying to be objective as I, as I can. I think that's easily in the top four best album, rock albums ever. Period.
1: Like, anyone can ever know that, Napoleon. <laughs> Napoleon, like, anyone can even know that.
0: Uh, and it's called 10 because Mookie Blaylock wore 10, and I think the original demo had 10 songs, but uh, the final version had 11. Um, but, you know, al- even the album cover give me, gives me chills. I have it on vinyl, and I just love staring at that thing. She's not weird. even
1: listening to just staring at the album.
0: yeah, I do. I honestly do. Um, but yeah, so so right off the bat, not even just like first song once, first album, first song, they come at you full force with both fists swinging in your fucking face. You that know is a what good I song mean? to start
1: the album. Though.
0: Oh my start a career. Vitology versus yield. Uh, Lightning my Bolt.
1: As as maybe my favorite Pearl Jam song on it.
0: Yeah, you love Corduroy.
1: I'm a big Corduroy guy.
0: Nothing, man. And so on that album. Oh, I am a fan of that. But and here's the thing: the longevity. 25 years. 27 years after. I think it was 26. 26 years after the band formed. Uh, they had they put out the album Lightning Bolt in 2012, and that album is good. And, uh, what's the best thing about that album? It plays very well live. When the they, one that when was weird to me is that they love, did, and great.
1: you might know why they decided to do that. Remember, they had like the. It was like a Target exclusive album. The one that had oh. fixer on it. Oh yeah, I love that. I love that song, but it was like, why did they do that? I guess I mean, hey, people need to get dollars, but still, Target I... exclusive—that's weird.
0: Well. I, I don't know the the whole thing on it. I do know that Pearl Jam, especially Eddie Eddie Vedder, like the whole he, he has a problem with the record industry and the and the way things are purchased and everything like that. Um,
1: yeah, uh, that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. Pearl Jam versus uh, Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster.
0: For those who don't know, uh, Pearl Jam Ticketmaster
1: is a bunch of fuckheads. In
0: in the '90s, Pearl Jam had. A, went an all-out huge war with Ticketmaster, and uh, as a as a consequence, they couldn't play at any of like the big venues for a while because they were they had contracts Ticketmaster did with those arenas and stadiums. So that's why they played a lot of festivals and overseas. They were like regulars at Pink Pop Festival, and just a lot of smaller venues and stuff, which is actually not bad. Not bad, but um, I prefer to see like
1: bands in a smaller setting, like a more like I mean, it depends on the type of the band.
0: Yeah, it's also nice to gather with a whole bunch of fucking people. Um, but yeah, so uh, in 2012, uh, you know, they had Lightning Bolt. That album plays very well live. Uh, Sirens. Uh, lightning bolt on on a song, the title title song, I guess they would call it. And um, even they just put out an album uh, this year, Gigaton. Not too bad. Dance of the Clairvoyance is uh, one of the singles on it. I I can go on and on about these. Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vetter is my favorite lead singer. I uh, besides Chris Cornell, I think he does the best singing job out of all the grunge bands. Um, and the the uh, the thing that you got to give credit to them is the longevity. They've mm-hmm. they've been around for. Uh, well, the big key years.
1: part about their longevity is that their um, lead singer, is is alive.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, he's still alive. I'm, I'm still alive. alive. <laughs> But, um, yeah, Pearl Jam rounding up my list. Number one, always number one. Hey, solid list. That's why I got a big old Pearl Jam tattoo. Still working on the cider. It's like one well, of my thirds. How is it? How is the cider? It's good. Um, yeah.
1: I pulled it. I pulled almost a big no no. So I was, uh,. Drinking my drink, I set it down and I had an empty one over to my other side that I was using for my uh chew. Uh oh. And I almost picked the wrong one up. So uh you live and you learn.
0: You live, you learn. Shout out Alanis Morset. I absolutely love that Canadian. Absolutely love her. I adore her. There's someone else that really liked her.
1: Uh Dave Coulier. <laughs>
0: No, I was reading it in a magazine go figure that they didn't want to say like who they had a crush on because they felt like it'd be disingenuous. Oh,
1: it was one of the hockey players.
0: Was it? Yeah, I think it was. Are you sure? They yeah. did they they said they all they had a crush on Alanis Morissette, and they but they didn't want to like say it at first because it'd be disingenuous. Because he knew that they were gonna read it, she was gonna read it, or get wind of it in this magazine, and you know thought he'd be a creep. But he had because they, they asked him like what he like had on his wall or something. He had a Lansmore set like poster or something. I don't know if it was a hockey player though. I feel like it was another musician. Might have been uh. a hockey player though. <laughs> I'm really trying to think of who it is, but good for that guy. Because, like, I mean, that is 90s right there. I love more set. Well, uh, pretty much running out of time here, John, so uh, send it off. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode the First One of the Day. Um, you guys want to follow, or shoot us an email, rather, at, uh, we have an email at first, the number one of the day at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, at first, the number one of the day. And uh, check us out on Spotify, uh, YouTube, all the places where you can listen to podcasts as well. Uh, John Hunter, he's going to be on this show again, I hope. It was a pleasure talking to you. Always good i Oh,
1: def- I'll definitely. I enjoy uh, coming the on. Shoot breeze. Shooting the shit. <laughs> I'm going to say for now, shooting the shit.
0: Um, you also have, have a podcast, too. Tell us about that for a minute. I do.
1: I, I too, am a bit of a podcaster, Sean. Mm.
0: Um, you don't say.
1: So, on my podcast, which you've been on a couple times now, um, we right. discuss and review horror movies. Big horror movie guy. Um, he and likes the horrors. If you enjoy us, just talk... Yeah. <laughs> if you enjoy us, just... Uh, talking i'm sure you'll enjoy that as well unless you just hate good things but hey to each their own um that is if you check it out like spotify stitcher google play apple podcasts um it's just called horror vision um horror other than that horror vision
0: all right well again thank you for coming that's going to conclude this first episode of first one of the day I'm Sean P here with John Hunter. Guys, don't be churlish. Keep it fresh till next time.